Our reading today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. And Paul writes, The point is this, The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, He scatters abroad, He gives to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ, and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Anyone who has grown up in a farming family knows that farming is an act of faith. You do your best to control what you can, planting quality seed, making sure you've planted enough, testing the soil, fertilizing, pesticide, undercutting old growth, preparation, and then you wait. Now, I remember my dad going into the wheat fields to see how the heads were filling out, looking out over the field to judge the height, the density of the growth. But then the rest depends on the weather. Was there enough snow in the winter? <clears throat> enough rain in the spring? Was there hail? Will it be dry enough to get into the fields to harvest? Will it be dry enough for a good quality seed? And sometimes, even in the best of circumstances, it doesn't always yield what you hope. But you harvest anyway. It's what you've got. But no matter what the conditions are, if you don't plant, then you don't have a harvest. If you do plant, you have a chance. It's sort of like saying, you can't win the lottery if you don't play. And it's really not a new concept to consider farming a bit of a gambling experience. Paul, however, uses the imagery a bit differently. He talks about the harvest that God is in charge of, ministry and mission. Invest in the mission of God and you will see the rewards. There will be a harvest. Unfortunately, the harvest isn't always what we think it should be or even what we have hoped for, is it? Now, I had a chance to read the responses to the ministry survey this week that we took a few weeks ago. And someone in the comments had mentioned that we give too much for the feast, or that we don't see the rewards, that it doesn't make a difference. There is resentment and an assumption that if we invest in this ministry, then that means that we're clearly ignoring things like faith formation and our kids and other ministries that hit closer to home to our congregation members. But the truth is, 
Everything is woven together. And there is a great harvest, a great reward. So if we take feast, for example, yes, some will end up going back inside after they got out. And yes, some people make mistakes after their second and third chances. I do. I assume y'all do too. However, I know people whose lives have been immeasurably changed by this ministry. I've heard it said that even if for one person alone God has died, it is worth it. For you alone, God's death, Jesus' crucifixion, is worth it. If you alone receive the good news, the gift was worth it. Imagine what that means to someone struggling with addiction or poverty or grief or violence. Every person is worth the care of God and of God's creation and God's people. And when that affects their life, even if it's just one life, it impacts the whole community. Surely you've seen the commercial in which one person helps another, who helps another, who helps another, who helps another. Or the movie Pay It Forward, in which the young boy helps three people and challenges each of them to help three people as well. And instead of seeing an immediate reward, this boy is attacked. But the reward was there. It just took a while. Because this boy changed his community simply by his free and generous gift. Ministries such as Feast make a difference to our kids. Because they get to see how we treat one another. They get to see the welcome in this community. They see the generosity in this community. They see the grace. They see this community being God's love. And they too are changed. When you sow bountifully, you will also reap bountifully. And quite frankly, this congregation isn't about feast any more than it is about youth or about elderly or about hospitality teams or about music. These things are expressions of our true purpose, to show God's grace. We give grace because we have received grace. We give love because we have received love. We give mercy because we have received mercy. Paul says, for the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but it also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Steve Goodyear, Goodyear writes a story, says Thanksgiving Day was near. The first grade teacher gave her class a fun assignment to draw a picture of something for which they were thankful. And most of the class might have been considered economically disadvantaged, but still many would celebrate the holiday with turkey and other traditional goodies of the season. So these, the teacher thought, would be the subjects of most of the students' art. And they were. But Douglas made a different kind of picture. Douglas was a different kind of boy. He was the teacher's true child of misery, frail and unhappy. As other children played at recess, Douglas was likely to stand close by her side. One could only guess at the pain that Douglas felt behind his sad eyes. So yes, his picture was different. When asked to draw a picture of something for which he was thankful, he drew a hand. Nothing else, just an empty hand. Didn't even make it into a turkey, just a hand. 
His abstract image captured the imagination of his peers. Whose hand could it be? One child guessed it was the hand of a farmer because farmers raise turkeys. Another suggested a police officer because police protect and care for people. Still others guessed it was the hand of God, for God feeds us. And so the discussion went on until the teacher nearly forgot about the young artist himself. And when the children had gone on to other assignments, she paused at Douglas's desk and bent down and asked him whose hand it was. The little boy looked away and murmured, it's yours, teacher. She recalled the times she had taken his hand and walked with him here or there as she had the other students. How often has she said, take my hand, Douglas, we'll go outside. Or let me show you how to hold your pencil. Or let's do this together. Douglas was most thankful for his teacher's hand. Brushing aside a tear, she went on with her work. We plant seeds as an act of faith. In the end, we have no control over what the Holy Spirit will do with our gifts, our investments. But we trust that even in the lean years, God makes the harvest worth the effort. And so along with Paul, we say thanks be to God for God's indescribable gift. Amen.